Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Success Coaching Podcast. I'm here with Coach Todd Foster and Coach Kelly Scar. And today we have an awesome guest, uh, a story that I really believe is going to impact you. Uh, we are thrilled to be able to welcome our friend and fellow success coach, Miss Alyssa Stanley. Alyssa, welcome. Hey, how are you? Doing awesome. Now, now we know your story and, and you are an inspiration and we love having you a part of the success coaching team. Uh, but for those listening, give us a rundown as to who is Alyssa, because you wear a lot of hats. Oh, man. I am so excited to be here. So thank you, number one. Um, number two, who is Alyssa? Man, first and foremost, I'm a mama of three. I am a wife. Uh, my husband and I farm and ranch out in Nebraska, live in the middle of nowhere. I'm also a coach. I coach people in business and in life. And uh, I also fight multiple sclerosis on a daily basis. So I wear many hats. Those are the four or five I can think of right this moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you do, you do a wonderful job. Uh, now, now, what we know is, and we know that we've, we've been in business with you for just a few short months. And in that time, uh, your story has inspired me. I know it's inspired Kelly and Todd as well. And so uh, we're thrilled to have you as one of our first guests on the podcast. So um, let's talk about the, the whole, the, the MS thing, because that's big. And that's touched my life in different ways as well. And so as soon as you said that, I felt like we had uh, a lot in common there. But if you would, let's, let's dive quickly back in history, back in time, uh, you know, what, where you were before that and, and kind of what led up to that. Yeah. So my life pretty much turned upside down in 2018. Before that, I was a mom. Um, I was in grad school getting my special education degree. And I pretty much was living life as it came to me. Normal, doing my daily thing. Um, I had some health issues, but oh my gosh, you're a mom of three. And I was in grad school. So everything was chalked up to stress. Didn't think anything of it. And then in 2018, um, of all things, I was underneath my bathroom sink. My husband was gone and we had a blowout and I was changing pipes. So I changed pipe, sat up and my whole world literally started spinning. Um, you know, those miracle rounds and, and carnival rides. That's what I was on all of the sudden in my bathroom by myself. And my kids were in the family room and uh, everything started spinning. And my vision just tunneled black. So I had my kiddos come help me. And this was in 2018. So they were little at that time. Come help me to get outside. I thought, well, gosh, I didn't have enough ventilation. Maybe I just got too hot. Well, that did not make a difference. And um, from that point on, my body never went back to how it was before. And that I would say that was the moment where I really knew I needed to fight, but I didn't know what I was fighting for and what I was fighting in a whole sense. I just knew something, something was wrong and nothing was going back to normal. So did you have any symptoms before this? I mean, and yep. that's another hat she can add to her hat, right? She's yeah. also a plumber too. Plumber. <laughs> yeah. Not a good one. Not a good one. No, uh, I did. And like I said, it chalked it up to stress, but I would lose um, feeling in my right arm sometime. I, sometimes I would get tingly in my right arms. I would have confusion. I noticed uh, going through grad school, there would be things where I would know. I'd done field studies. I'd spent hours in the classroom, but I just could not 
think of the words. It, it was more than just, you know, they call it mom brain or pregnancy brain or whatever. It was more than that, but I chalked it up to that. And so now I can look back and think, oh my gosh, that's what it was. And, and all of these symptoms that I had chalked up for so long to stress and pregnancy and um, had been going on for five or six years. And my, the neurologist that I finally ended up with, I, I went through four or five and um, said, you've probably had this for six years undiagnosed. And I'm like, wow. whoa, now it all makes sense. Okay. So Alyssa, I want to, I want to ask a, a real quick question here. Cause I, I want to keep this moving. Cause this, this yeah. is all foundational for what we want to talk about. So, so before the day that you were the plumber, right. And you, yes. you had that experience that really kind of, that changed the trajectory of your life. Mm-hmm. If we went back, let's say six to 10 years before that, what was your plan for life? Like we all, we all, like I came out of school and, and I just had this one vision for how things were going to be. Yeah. Right. And, and of course, didn't even come close to turning out that way. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was your vision? Like, what was your starry eyed um, idea about what was going to be that changed in that moment? Um, I was living it right before that happened. I, I grew up on a farm. I grew up in a rural community. I knew that's what I wanted for my life and my family. So as a girl in high school, I wanted to marry a farmer. I wanted to raise my kids on a farm. And I wanted to be a teacher. And as I went into college, I realized I wanted to teach special education. That's what I thought back in that starry-eyed high school girl. That's where I would be right now is teaching special education in a rural area, changing the lives of those that are sometimes forgotten and, and those kiddos that sometimes are brushed aside because nobody knows what to do with them or they don't have... They don't have the tools and the resources, so they end up going into special education. And those are the kids that had my heart, and that's where I wanted to be. And 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 the reason I'm not doing that right now, and this was a really hard pill to swallow, which we may or may not explore later, is my neurologist said um, that is not a career path that you should continue with. And I said, why? This is what I wanted. I I'm almost done with grad school. Um, and he said the stress level is too high. So in a rural area, your caseload is usually between 25 to 30 kids. And you may or may not have two or three aides to help you. And something with my MS, incredibly high stress levels um, make my body so angry. And so I have to be very careful about my stress level. And I also feared a little bit um, dealing with legal documents such as IEPs and that kind of stuff with some memory and cognitive issues that I had to struggle with at that time. So I'm actually not doing what I thought I would do because they said I couldn't do it because of MS. So Alyssa, uh, so for our listeners, this is Kelly uh, chiming in because I know I, I probably sound a lot like Todd Foster, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, accent what is what makes it sound exactly <laughs> the same. Yes, it is a, I'm the only Canadian on the on the uh, panel here, by the way, listeners of the <laughs> Success Coaching Podcast. Um, Alyssa, hey, listen. Uh, so it sounds to me like you were living your your best life, living your ideal life, and uh, this was a huge gut punch, a, a massive curveball. Um, you know, not just the MS stuff, but also, uh, you know, what the, what the, what your neurologist had, had recommended, um, you stepping away from something that you had studied, how did you pivot? Like th- there had to have been, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, um, 
you know, you could like Ben was saying kind of uh, pre-recording here, he was talking about, you know, you could go left and, and uh, you know, claim victimhood or go right and be victorious. And, you know, obviously you chose right and, and you, you're, you know, living again your best life with, you know, certain restrictions in play, but you're not allowing those restrictions to kind of restrict you from living that life, right? I think a lot of other people would say, well, I've got MS and therefore I, I you know, I'm going to let this disease d- define me. So I, I guess to kind of circle back, I'm curious what, uh, you know, with this major gut punch of being diagnosed, but also now the neurologist is, is telling you that you can't go and practice something that you've been studying for. How did you, how did you pivot? Was, in a, was there a morning period? Were you able to pivot right away? Like kind of take us through that process. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we're sitting here talking about it, it sounds really easy. Like either go left or you go right. You make a choice to fight or you make a choice to, to sink, but it's a process. And I think that's something that people who don't go through this or any type of life altering diagnosis, I'm not sure that they realize that it's a grieving process. You genuinely grieve the person you thought that you would be. You grieve the person that you saw in 10 years because that person can't be, is no longer. Um, And that's the hard truth of it. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I will still have shortcomings in the special education field. And I'm not, I could fight it. I could go in and, and take a job, but I, I chose that path because I love those kids. And if I can't walk in there being the best I can for those kids, I'm not going to do it. And so I absolutely went through a grieving process. I went through a process of, well, I don't have MS. They're all wrong. And then I went through a process of, um, God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do wrong? You know? You know, and, and that's not right because that's not how this whole thing works. And your immune system sometimes just says, hey... Not going to work right. That's that's MS. That's autoimmune. So then you go through a process of sadness. It really is like a grieving process of death. And um, I wish I could say that I just woke up one day and, and chose. But there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of angry moments. I could not have genuinely done this without my husband. He held me up so much. Um, and looking at those my babies at the time. I knew that once this grieving process was over, because there were days where I couldn't even see in front of me, there was just a curtain of grief, a curtain of anger, a curtain of um, just frustration that I couldn't even see through. And I knew that when that fog lifted and I got through this, I had babies to fight for and I needed just to decide who who I wanted them to look back and remember because at some point this disease might take me. So if I do have a shorter life than what, what everyone prefers, how do I want my babies to see me? How do I want my husband to remember me? And not only did that my career be taken away from me, what I thought my career would be at the time, um, my entire right side was not functioning properly. I couldn't hold eating utensils. I couldn't put on makeup. Um, I am a very active person. I'm a runner. I couldn't run. I've rode horses all my life. I couldn't ride horses. My husband and I feed cattle. And um, it's something that we enjoy doing together is going out and riding and checking cattle. Couldn't do that. I couldn't do that for six months to a year. So I had all of that between um, that, that initial flare happened in January. And then I was diagnosed in May. So in five months, 
I had so many things, what I felt like ripped away from me um, that I had to come to terms with. And in, in my sense of coming to terms is not necessarily accepting that I'll never be able to do these things again. I remember walking out of that doctor's office. Um, I had a six hour drive to the doctor that had told me that I probably won't be walking within a year. And I'd asked my husband, he was going to come with me. And I said, no, I want you to stay with our kids because I don't want to have to worry about a babysitter. I don't want to have to field calls. You stay with our kids so that I can concentrate on this. And so I had a six hour, six hour drive up there. And uh, he said, as fast as this is taking things from you, I'm not sure that you will be walking by the end of the year. I just want you to be prepared for that. And I remember walking out of that office in Omaha, essentially flipping him the middle finger. Like, really? Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> and uh, the, it was genuinely that moment. And there were months, months of... I had, I had heard that I had MS and seen several doctors. So at that point, I was halfway through the grieving process. I was kind of angry at that point. And so you know, that five hour drive home was angry tears and watch me. And I was kind of figuring out how I was going to prove him wrong and how I was going to be a sped teacher and how I was going to ride and, um, beat every single odds because how dare they put that on me. And that's how I felt at the time. And, uh, so I dug into fitness and nutrition really deep into figuring out how to eat anti-inflammatory and what I could do to build my muscle strength back because that's what had happened was I had lost so much muscle strength and because I had spasms that right side wasn't working so I knew I needed to gain that back and that took me on a huge quest of figuring out how to work like holistically and bring my body back and also work with the meds that they were giving me um to essentially prove them all wrong. And I'm happy to say in 2021, I'm riding my horses with my babies. I'm running, I'm walking, and I don't take a day of that for granted. Uh, that's so amazing. Now, Alyssa, I want to I wanna pull this, uh, this car that we're on a road trip together in over to the side of the road. We're still going to go where we're going. Yeah. But I, I want to park here because you said something that I think is, is, is absolutely critical that someone listening to this take away. Because not everyone's going to have a diagnosis of MS or, or any other uh, a big uh, illness. However, um, we all have different degrees of, of affliction and challenges in life. And something that you said that, that I think is common, and you, everyone, Todd and Kelly and Alyssa, you all coach just like I do. And so we know that, that when something like that, life shows up, you, you said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, but you, you said you were, you were angry at God, right? Like, why in the world would you allow this to happen? And I, I think that is so normal. I just want everyone to hear this, knowing that is a normal reaction. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that that you are you are some kind of an outlier. Like that's normal, right? Because the 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 dice of your life just got shaken up and thrown out on the table, and you didn't even know it was coming. So so first off, that's normal. That's a part of the process. And what I also heard you talk about was was your mental decision and determination for a different outcome. Now. What I'm just going to just really briefly, my dad was diagnosed with MS as well. So go, growing up, I never played football with my dad because we were pushing around in a wheelchair, right? So I know this disease very intimately. I've watched him go through trials, medicine, and all this stuff. And what I can tell you, though, is, is he made a very similar choice to you. And that was, I can't control it, but I can control my mindset around it. 
And I think that's such a critical component of, of the decision you made, the action you took, because a lot of people when faced with something like that would look at that understandably, totally understandably, and say, well, these are the, this is the hand I've been dealt. I guess I just have to kind of sit back and, and wait for it to consume me versus those that say, you know what, I can't control that, but I still have absolute control over how I perceive this and what I do with this and, and my determination mentally, my mental toughness in this. And I just want to say kudos to you because that was one of the biggest things about your story that inspired me was, you know, I'm not going to take this lying down. You know, Les Brown says, if you get knocked down, make sure to land on your back so you can step right back up. And, and that's exactly what you did. So I just wanted to point those couple things out. This is a key component. If somebody listening hasn't had a medical diagnosis, that's fine. But life throws all kinds of stuff at us. And like you, I don't believe that, that God gives us anything or sends anything to us that we can't handle, right? There's a reason. And my dad said the same thing, that he wouldn't be who he is today without the journey that he's been on. I think that's true for all of us. And it doesn't make it easy. And it doesn't mean that we love it. But you're impacting people at a significant level that you may not have been otherwise, because now you have a different perspective. So um, kudos to you. I just, I wanted to make those points. I think those are absolutely critical. Well, and I think if I may interject real quick, you know, going back to how you look at things, I, before my diagnosis and before my world was turned upside down, I was happy and I was appreciative. And I, I understood how fortunate I am to be able to have my babies and have my husband and what we were working for. But I genuinely woke up, did my thing, went to sleep. And now, because of this, because of what I went through, and because of how I've really had to turn my mindset around and, and think about how precious every single day is, I, I believe I'm a better mom. I believe I'm a better wife. Because in those moments where you get, I get so stressed about, oh, the house and oh, the dishes. And if my kid says, Mama, I want to go ride my horse or Mama, I want to play baseball. Sounds good. Let's go do it. So I no longer allow those little moments in my life to fleet um, because I genuinely, genuinely don't know if in 30 days I can do that again. And that right there has changed my life for the better. And I think it's changed my life, my family for the better. And so it's weird to say that you're grateful for a diagnosis, you're grateful for your life being turned upside down. But I do believe that because of the journey that I've made, I am a better person. And what I, I'd like to uh, piggyback on that one thing that I've realized just by listening to you talk here is that you're truly a modern day superwoman. And when you really focus on the good, not the bad, because as Ben said, and we all can all agree, we can wake up and have the worst five minutes of our day, which we could turn into a full day or a full week. And with a life sentence that you received during that diagnosis, there are so many ways you could go with it. I mean, you could go the victim route, which normally that's what we do, right? And it sounds like you may have been stuck there for a little bit, yet you also overcame that and realized that you are the person that can control what you do and how you act and more importantly, how you live. And so I also see you as a teacher. I've heard you say special ed many times during this uh, interview. And So I want to piggyback on that as well. And why exactly are you so interested in special education and uh, why is it so important to you? Um, I have always from a young age, uh, for lack of better, better words, I suppose, um, rooted for the underdog. Like I've always loved people that, I mean, have things stacked against them. 
And unfortunately, kiddos in special education that are diagnosed with um, autism and Down syndrome cards are stacked against them. And I've always just wanted to be there for those people and help those people and, and genuinely show them that they can do so much more than what society is telling them and the label that they have on them. And I think that desire to help those kids in special education is carried into now my coaching practice because so many people that I talk to don't believe that they can do what they want to do, don't believe they're good enough, don't believe what society is telling them. And there's so much untapped potential in them that it's it's really amazing to see when they finally realize, holy crap, I can do this. I am strong enough for this. This doesn't define me. This isn't a label. So to help those kids realize that they are not their label, they are not their diagnosis. I love that. Uh, one thing I just wrote down, uh, and I've got two thoughts, and then I, w- I want to turn it back to you. But there's something I want everyone also to take away from this. What I wrote down is you were talking about uh, having gratitude for the diagnosis, right? Again, that, that flies in the face of human nature and the natural reaction to things. What I wrote down when you said that was gratitude is a choice, not yeah. a feeling. Absolutely. Right? Gratit- gratitude is a decision we make, not based on feelings. It's a decision that I'm going to be grateful. It goes back to the, the, the Tony Robbins, what if life was happening for you rather than to you, right? It's a choice that I'm going to be grateful for all yeah. circumstances because they're leading me to become the, the person I was destined to become. I think that's hu- huge. What are your thoughts on that? I think, grati- I think coming to a place of gratitude is harder than coming, staying in a place of anger. So much easier to be angry in the moment and stay in that spot. And I think for anyone out there listening, I do not ever want the picture to be painted that I was diagnosed with MS. And then 14 days later, I woke up and the birds were singing and the butterflies were in my bedroom <laughs> and I was just living my best life. Um, finding gratitude for something so crappy. You have to dig to depths of your heart and your soul that I never even knew I had corners of. Like, I didn't know I could dig that deep. I didn't know I had that in me. And gratitude genuinely is a choice. And there are days where I am not grateful for MS. I am not grateful for... I, I would trade it. But then you have to remember, okay, what has this brought me? This has brought me the ability to show my girls and my son strength that I never knew I had. This has brought my husband and I closer than I really genuinely ever thought we could be. I mean, going through this diagnosis together, we have fought for each other. um, Oh my gosh, tooth and nail, just to make sure that we come out of this together. And when I was diagnosed, we sat and we talked and I said, how, how are you going to do this? This is not fair to you. This is not what you married. This is not what you signed up for. How, how is this okay? And he essentially said, I don't care. I married you. I didn't marry a thing. I didn't marry an idea. I married you. And we're going to do this together. And I'll be damned if we did. I mean, we did. For better or for worse. We came out stronger than what we were in 2018. I mean. God bless that man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you just you just pointed out again there again like you you've gone again this wasn't in the spur of the moment and I appreciate you pointing that out again but you just yeah. you just told us here in the last couple of minutes 
I can't even count how many things that are blessings that came from the journey you've been on and the diagnosis yeah. that, that maybe weren't as rich or weren't as deeply woven into your life as they were before. So again, not to make light of a diagnosis or to say, oh, it's no big deal. Get over it. Yet it is what it is. I can't change that. And there again, um, you, you've got this mental toughness. And so that's I wanted to ask how how would you define mental toughness and what have you what lessons have you learned going through this journey of, of how to get mentally tough and how to, to continually build that muscle and exercise that skill? You know, I think I've always been very stubborn. <laughs> very stubborn. Um, my husband actually refers to me at times as a mule because I'm rather <laughs> stubborn. So I think that I think that is in my benefit. Um that's better than him saying a jackass. So that's good. I mean, <laughs> he might want to sometimes, but he's yet to do it. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, I think just that stubborn and that fire that I've always had is a benefit to me, but that didn't get me 100%. Um, like I said, it, it really truly is a matter of... Can I say bad words? Yes. Being tired of sitting in your own shit. You know, there, there was a point where I was tired of the grieving process. I was tired of waking up every day. And although I still don't know how I'm going to wake up tomorrow, just letting whatever happened, happen. I was just tired of it. And so I got so tired of my own shit and my own tears and my own anger that I finally said, all right, I'm going to fight this. And at least if I go down my family can say I went down swinging. Mm. And from that moment on, I just, I, every single day I woke up and I took a check on what my body was like. And I figured out what was worth fighting and what isn't, you know, I think right now our society, our society makes us believe that everything is important and everything is worth fighting for. And, and you have to make everything important and you have to make everything um, busy and, and God, there's some things that's not worth fighting for, you know, genuinely. So if I wake up one day and my right side isn't working, I'm not going to go mow the lawn, even though it needs mowed, you know, that's not a battle I'm going to fight. And that seems so minuscule, but when me mowing the lawn, when my body isn't working is going to create a bigger issue the next day, that's a huge battle. But those were things I also had to learn as well, because ta-da, I am stubborn. In the beginning, I would say, to heck with you, right side. I'm going to go mow the lawn and show you that I'm stronger than you. And then the next day, my husband would have to peel me out of bed. So then you pay for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, mental toughness truly is falling down and getting back up and figuring out how to make the next step smarter and easier. It's not just... It's not just being this ironclad individual who can get through anything. You're going to fall and you're going to have to get back up. But when you get back up, when you get back up, how do you do it better and how do you do it smarter? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think mental toughness is something that is born in us. It's something that's bred. It's something that's conditioned, developed, right? Yeah. I remember listening to uh, Marcus Luttrell. Um, you know, he was giving a, a keynote speech and he was talking about how he was able to, uh, you know, evade his captors or would-be captors. Uh, everyone knows, uh, you know, this, this story, Lone Survivor, and the movie with Mark Wahlberg and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, what he was talking about in this keynote, 
keynote was, uh, you know, he had a broken, uh, like a badly broken leg and, and like along with multiple other body parts that were broken and, and, you know, his, the way that he evaded his captors was just drawing a line literally in the dirt and saying to himself, I'm just going to make it over this line. And then the next, as soon as he made it over that line, he would draw another line in the dirt. And he said to himself, I'm just going to make it over this line. And it sounds to me like you're, you're kind of living that truth right now is, is that every day is a line in, in the dirt and you're just, your ultimate goal is to make it over that line so that, you know, you've got that gratefulness and appreciation for what you truly have around you. And, and this is something again, that, that has been conditioned into you because of your conditioning or because of your condition. Right. Yep. And, and it, that sounds so, it sounds minuscule just to, you know, draw a line and take a few steps and then be grateful for those few steps. But man, when you're fighting for every single step, passing that line feels amazing. Like I'll never forget when I finally was able to get back on my horse for the first time. And again, that sounds small, but that's something I've done my whole life. I mean, it was my outlet. It's, I even love the smell of them. Like guys, this is horses to me as you guys is sports. I mean, it's just, and so it, it literally was the first time I just sat up there. I couldn't walk them. I couldn't move them because my head would get, it, it would, it'd be a bad deal. But just sitting up there felt like I, climbed a mountain and stood at the top. I mean, every little step matters. And I think sometimes when you, when life gets turned upside down, whether it's losing your job, whether it's having a diagnosis, anything, um, you look at, well, I want the big picture. I want to be healed. I want to make a million dollars. I want all of this to disappear. But you forget how instrumental the little steps in between are and how, how, how each one of those little steps are building blocks to becoming better and stronger and reaching that bigger picture. Well, Alyssa, you just, you just nailed it in your, your analogy of a horse, right? Our listeners, wherever their, their goal is, right? It doesn't matter what the goal is. It's the same process, but you pointed out that this is a process. It's not an event. It's not a one-time thing. You didn't go from not being able to barely move to galloping on your horse in a, a single moment. It started by just physically getting on the horse and sitting there. Like that's where it started. Right. And so I think everyone listening needs to, needs to really wrestle with this in their own minds that, that we all look at this goal. We look at whatever it is, whether it's success or fortune or fame or building a business or whatever it is, we look at these goals and we see other people that have proven that it's possible. So we see the evidence and we just want a shortcut there. And that's, that's the whole idea of this podcast is we get to identify the 80% of the iceberg below the surface of the water that really highlights what, what was the actual journey like? Because I've never met anyone successful that didn't shed a lot of blood, tears and sweat in that journey, right? So you started just getting on the horse. And what's amazing about this incremental approach is you sitting on that horse gave you the taste, it gave you the drive and motivation. Now, if I'm, if I'm putting words in your mouth, tell me, but my bet is that gave you the fuel you needed then to, to then go, okay, what's my next step? Maybe I'm going to get on the horse and maybe we're just going to take four or five steps on the horse. And at each one of these stepping stones, you could start seeing the light on the, the next one. And so it gave you the motivation and the drive to do what you needed to do to get there. Absolutely. Yep. Every incremental step matters. The great thing with it is that not only were you able to start riding the horse, uh, your children are also able to watch you do that. Uh, because we talk about, you know, the diagnosis with a patient or the person itself, and we all think differently and we all respond differently. How are your children reacting to it? I mean, I know that 
you know, it's probably not great for that as well. Yet, yeah, do they understand completely what's going on with mom? And and yeah, it looks like you're a great role model for him. Uh, you know, the mindset's everything. Energy's high. Yet we all have our bad days. So what are those days like? Um, they're still hard, and they're hard for me because I feel guilty, and that's something I think I will fight for a long time. Um, there are days where I can go play baseball with my son and ride horses with my kids. And then there are days where we literally sit all day because my right side isn't working again. Um, those days sometimes are filled with guilt and sometimes are filled with gratefulness because I can take a day and snuggle my kids and how many more years are they going to actually want to sit with mom on the couch? Um, but it took, you know, when, when it first started, I, I did everything I could to hide it from them. Um, because I felt weak. And that's where a lot of my anger came from is because I saw myself, I went from this whole woman, this whole wife, this whole mother with this plan that was working to, um, I looked in the mirror and saw a broken woman, a broken wife, a broken professional, and someone that I did not even recognize. And so for a long time, I tried very hard to hide it. And, you know, my oldest at the time, um, she would have been seven. She could see physical ailments, um, but we would just say mom is tired or, and, and this was my choice. I told my husband, I said, they don't need to know. They don't need that burden of mom being sick on them. We'll just play it off that I'm tired. And as they've gotten older, my oldest knows, my middle knows, um, my six-year-old doesn't, he just doesn't understand. Um, and telling them was difficult because again, you, you always want your kids to see you as this superhero, right? This, this person that's going to always take care of them and that's strong and, and telling them kind of made me put down my armor a little bit. But what I've realized is after telling them um, that I don't want to be an unattainable figure for my kids, especially for my girls. I don't want my girls to look at their mom and say, Oh my gosh, I could never be that strong. I could never be that. So I needed to take down my armor. I needed to be human. I needed to be a mom You're authentic. and authentic to them. Yep. And so when I don't feel good, they, they know that we're going to start, we're going to snuggle mom. And then tomorrow she'll probably be able to do what, what we ask her to do and, and be present. So, um, telling them was, was a process just like a grieving process. I mean, but I didn't give them enough credit. They took it much better than what I anticipated. I thought I was going to let them down. And then when I finally realized that this didn't break me, um, and then th this didn't change who I was. In fact, it improved who I was. And this gave me an opportunity to teach my kids an invaluable life lesson. Then it became easier. So let's, let's just kind of recap. Cause we've been, you know, we've been waxing on here now for about 35 minutes. So <laughs> I just, uh, let's kind of, you know, recap everything that we kind of talked about. So living the best life, uh, gut punch diagnosis, uh, grieving process, um, mental toughness. Now let's push forward and, and get this car back on the highway. We've had a really great little rest stop here. Um, and, and I love the conversation. I think it's been amazing, Alyssa. I, I really want to talk about your, your pivot point. Now, 
you were, you know, diagnosed and the doctor said, you know, that you probably best that you don't follow your, your, what you felt like was a, a chosen path for you. And all of a sudden you're able to make this pit. Well, I guess not all of a sudden, but you know, <laughs> you're, you're able to, you're able to make tantrums, Kelly. Right. <laughs> right. But you're able to, you're able to get through all of the grieving process and then really kind of take a look at, at life and, and make this determination that there is a correlation between coaching and between teaching and you know, to exactly to your point in, in teaching special ed and, uh, you know, rooting for the underdog and, and coaching and taking those, those business people and, you know, helping to elevate them and move them to the next level, whichever level that may be. What was the pivot point? What was that deciding factor? It was like, Hey, this, there's a correlation here. I can be really successful with this. Yeah. Um, I actually did not even think about coaching. Um, I just, I, interesting. Yes. So, What happened was, is when I decided that, okay, I'm going to prove all of these doctors wrong, I found that although I had support and my husband was there and my sister and my friends, um, they didn't understand and, and no fault of their own because they, this is a very strange disease. One day I can be okay. And the next day I'm Humpty Dumpty fell apart. So I felt very lonely. Although I was surrounded by support, I was lonely. Because I knew no one like me. And when you feel broken and you feel like you are misunderstood because you know no one like me, uh, that's a very lonely place to be. So that's when... And I didn't even have a social media account at the time. I opened a social media account in 2018 and I started sharing my journey because I thought if I'm alone, if I feel alone, someone else does. So, so how can I share what I'm going through and how can I share my nutrition and fitness knowledge to help people? And it was, social media was the answer to that. So I just started sharing and um, I actually went and got certified through NFPT with fitness and nutrition so that I better understood what I was doing and sharing and helping people. Um, and that's really how all of this unfolded is I just didn't want anyone else to feel alone. And I, I wanted to create a community and be part of a community that was like me. And uh, then that fell into, well, maybe I could coach people in fitness nutrition and help them get where I'm at. Because my neurologist had said, you know, if you wouldn't have taken the actions that you did with nutrition and lifting, I'm not sure that you would be walking. You wouldn't have fought so hard. And so I said, okay, I'm going to share this. I'm going to do this. Well, then I I did that for about a year um, and realized that if I had to talk to another person about carbohydrates, I would lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Not because it's not important. Nutrition was huge in my recovery and and it is to this day, but um, it's not where my passion is. My passion is helping people dig deep, helping people find their path and just watching them freaking run it. And uh, I wasn't able to do that in, in carbs and fats and proteins. And so um, I, I, I found myself in a place where I was, I was coaching because it's what I was doing and what I started. And then I had people coming to me going, how did you build your business? How did you do this? Where did you start? How did you find the time? How'd you balance it with kids? And before I knew it, I had about 50% fitness, nutrition, and 50% business clients. And that's when I really figured, okay, this is this side is what I love. This is where I need to be. 
coaching and helping people. So then I transitioned out of fitness nutrition and that's where I'm at right now. So when I started this, I did not start with, well, I'm diagnosed with MS and now I'm going to coach. <laughs> I shared my journey and I wanted to be there for people and it's evolved into something I wouldn't have imagined. It's amazing. <laughs> that's so awesome. All right. So so, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think everyone on this call, Todd and Kelly, both would say the same thing. I don't, I don't think our guidance counselors ever said, you know what you'd be great for? Yeah. You should become a coach. Like it, it was never a conversation, right? We yeah. all kind of, we all kind of just went down this path or it took us to the, a similar destination. And, and I'm grateful your path took you here and that it crossed our paths. And, um, and I think it's amazing. So as we're kind of bringing all of this together, we're, we're, we can see our destination, right? We're bringing this together. What's the future hold for Alyssa? As you're looking at it right now, um, what is your what is your vision for the the next couple of years? And where do you where do you want to take this? The impact you want to have, like, what does that look like? What are your thoughts there? Um, so many thoughts. I write all of these thoughts down, um, but just just a few, I guess. If I could coin one accomplishment with whether it's social media or keynote speaking or whatever, whatever avenue I decide to take with this is, I would like to speak the truth into people that um, they're not their diagnosis, they're not their tragedy, whatever happened to you in life that turned it completely upside down does not have to be your future. It might be part of your journey. It's part of your path. but you have a choice. And I, I want to help people realize that although that choice is hard and sometimes the, the path is freaking ridiculous, but if you walk it and if you choose it and if you stay resilient and persistent, you can get there and just don't give up on yourself. That's, I mean, that. that's essentially what I would love for people to take from my story because I feel like so many. So many people, and it's not even a feeling, it's a knowledge with all of the contacts that I've come in in when I've had with my MS and sharing my story is, well, I got diagnosed um, and now I, I'm just living out my life. There's so much life to be lived. We can't just we can't just spend our day waking up and going to sleep and stuffing our faces and watching Netflix. We can do so much more. Right, it requires a choice, though, like to Kelly's story of drawing a line, right? It's uh, in your case, it's getting on the, the horse, right? It, it's one step at a time, but it's it's putting a goal out there that's attainable. Uh, that's a, a bit of a stretch, but it's something we can work towards and then uh, doing the next thing. And then the next thing, Charlie Daniels, one of my favorite quotes of all time is right before he passed away. Todd knew I was going here, but he said he's famous for saying he said, you just put one foot in front of the other and then you just do the next right thing. Right, a lot of us get so caught up in I'm gonna I'm gonna go ride a horse again, and we're so overwhelmed by all the process that we don't take action. And kudos to you for identifying. I don't have to worry about all of that. I just need to worry about what's right in front of me right now, and yep. then identify what the next thing is, and then the next thing, and yep. the process evolves. and uh, And you've come a, a tremendous way, and you're an incredible asset. Um, Kelly, Todd, any uh, any questions or final thoughts from you all before we get into lightning round? You know, I was thinking she's uh, said a couple of words here that stuck out to me. And most people, when they say these words, I think it would actually maybe have more feeling or meaning to it. Uh, and they were negative words, yet 
she also puts a positive spin on everything. Yeah, she said broken, lonely, weak, guilt. And if you think about life, once again, it goes back to we all feel these ways. Mm -hmm. We all feel I I feel guilty a lot. Uh, I feel weak. Yet the message that you're letting our listeners know as well as us and your children, your family is that it's okay to have those feelings. It's not okay to be stuck in those feelings. Yes. Uh, Because the victim would be amazing to live with a lot easier, right? Lay in bed, watch Netflix. Sounds amazing, actually. Uh, You know, (laughs) not mowing the lawn. That sounds great as well. Yet the choice, and it's a theme here of the choice, uh, the choice that you've made so far and what you've done to get to where you are today and how you're predicting your own future right now by the choice you're making today, it's going to impact you, your family, everyone that's around you. And you brought up your legacy as well. And, you know, I'm not an expert on legacy yet. As far as I'm concerned, your legacy is on a really, really great path right now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I I don't really have much else to say. I, you know, to speak to that legacy, legacy is really, really important to me as it is, I think, to a lot of parents and, and, you know, people without children as well. Like what you, the, the impact that you make, the footprint that you leave behind, right? A, A lot of stuff, you know, the stuff that we acquire in life, we can't take with us, but what we leave behind is, 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 you know, what's most important. And I think the impact that you're having on your kids is, is, uh, you know, in your situation, Alyssa, is, you know, it is a legacy that um, I, I don't even I don't even think that any of us on this call really understand the power uh, of what you're leaving behind and the impact that you're going to make on your children is is, is going to be. I, I think it is you are a super uh, superwoman, you are a superhero in their eyes. There's no question. There's no question, right? You can't take that cape off because what you're what you're fighting with, what you're dealing with, what you're pushing through every single day, that line that you're drawing in that sand that you're pulling yourself across, they're seeing that, they're living that, they're 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 hearing it, right? And that's something that that will never be forgotten for them. So you know, kudos to you. All right, lightning round. Let's let's get after it, Mr. Fairfield. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. All right. So lightning round, Alyssa, here's how this works. You've not been prepared, but lightning round, we throw six questions at you very quickly. You share the first thing that comes to mind and we go right on to the next one. Are you ready? Oh my gosh. All right. I didn't have enough coffee for this. uh, You don't need coffee. We just need need the first thought that comes into your mind. Here's the first one. All right. Have you ever been kicked out of anything? And if so, what was it? No. Somehow that does not surprise me. Somehow that does not surprise me. That does not surprise me. All right, here's the next one. What's the biggest lie you once believed was true? Oh my gosh. Um, When I was a kid, my sister had told me that I, when I swallowed a cherry seed, that trees would grow out my ears. I legit was terrified. I had nightmares. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so no cherries, guys. When we get together for a coach's event, no cherries for Alyssa. All right. Here's the next one. Anymore. (laughs) All right. What's the most important thing to carry with you all the time? Um, God, I don't even carry a purse, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) It could be internal too, but what's what's something you carry with you all the time? (laughs) Um, it's the most important thing to carry with you. Uh, 
good thoughts, honestly. There you go. There's the mindset again. That's good. Love it. All right, here's the next one. Name something on your to-do list that never gets done. Laundry. Folding laundry. (laughs) It gets washed. We are not, we're not stinky kids, but folded is questionable. (laughs) This is the job that never ends. All right, here's the next one. Uh, What do you do when you want to get out of your own head? Uh, Go for a run or ride my horse. Okay. Uh, And here's our last question for lightning round. What or who has made the biggest impression on your life in the past year? My husband, without a doubt. That's awesome. He could have ran and he didn't. (laughs) And he didn't. So your picker is in good shape. You sound like you have an amazing husband. Uh, You are an amazing person. Uh, One thing I just wanted to kind of, as we're wrapping this up, the thing that I am taking away from this time, and I'm grateful, I know Todd and Kelly are as well, that you invested it with us and our listeners. The one thing I took away is that the world is always watching Uh and you have no idea who you're impacting, right? It's easy to get lost in our circumstances. The world's always watching and we're always having an impact. You just chose to make that a positive one. So we're grateful that you came on. Thank you for sharing your story with us. We appreciate you being here. Appreciate you guys.